0: Hello, welcome to the Derp's Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango.
1: And I am your co-host, Buddy.
0: And today we're going to talk a little bit about Killing Floor 2. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast.
1: Well, it's pretty simple. On this podcast, we talk about games. Uh, And last time, we had talked about... Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, Warzone, which is like a small return to the battle royale, you know, genre and and uh, and that kind of FPS shooter. But this week we're going to talk about an FPS shooter of a very different variety, Um, specifically. Killing Floor Two, which is a zombies—you know, hordes of zombies are coming at you. They have different varieties and types and attacks, and you can play in a couple of different game modes with a couple of different classes type thing. Uh, following in like the Left for Dead, um, following in the Left for Dead footsteps, uh, and also just other—you know—zombies in Black Ops, uh, Payday Two, kind of these PVE FPS games that are that are wave-based uh, shooters.
0: Also, I will point out one of the few games that were that is less timely than Warzone that we could talk about, given that this game came <laughs> out in like 2015, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it definitely came out a long time ago. Um, you may have seen I played it on stream with some of the devs from Tripwire uh, as part of my as part of my day job, which was kind of how I got introduced to it. Um, But immediately after playing it, I was like, oh, fuck, this game is sweet. Like, let's play more, (laughs) you know? Uh, And I ended up getting basically, like, all of my WoW friends. You know, WoW has a little bit of a content drought right now. Um, And so a bunch of my WoW friends and I have gotten into, you know, Killing Floor, and we log in, you know, if not every day, then every couple of days.
0: Uh, Real quick, is there something playing in the background? Because it's picking up when you're talking
1: okay yeah there was something like a car i don't know what the fuck that was
0: all right i can get that no big deal okay
1: Uh, uh it would be under my oh my god it's starting again can you hear that
0: a little bit yeah i'm sure it'll show up more on the track uh do you do you know what it is
1: you know not offhand one second Guy from the other guy. I heard you start talking again, and <laughs> it started immediately. Okay, um, you know, <laughs> you're not gonna believe this. It's a Ford pickup truck, like a big ass Ford pickup truck with a soundstage, a band, and a ton of like speakers. Think like the flaming, like the flamethrower guitar guy from like, from,
0: like, from Fury Road, Mad
1: Max. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, We've seen him a couple of times. It was that guy. I don't know. He turned the street. So
0: anyway, what what were we talking about?
1: I don't even remember what we were talking about. We were talking about Horde Mode and we were talking about Killing Floor and we were talking about it being an old game. Yeah. Uh, but one of the nice things about it, it being an old game and like you know, coming into it in 2020 when it has been out for four years, is there's actually, like, a lot of variety and stuff going on in this game, which is uh, which is kind of nice. You know, like, when, when games like this, it's kind of like how, you know, if you were to pick up Total War Warhammer 2 today you get way more content than if you were to pick it up in 2017 when it first came out because of all the DLC packs and that kind of thing right like free legendary lords paid legendary lords units new factions all this other sort of um, all this other sort of stuff and <clears throat> that's true of killing Floor. there's more classes now than there were on launch there's no more bosses now that there more than there were on launch there's different game modes and a ton of different maps and stuff like that and so it, it's a game that has a lot of real variety for someone who is you know just like kind of like walking into the experience fresh if that makes sense
0: yeah no uh and i i definitely felt that i definitely felt like there was a wealth of things to explore um and i definitely had a pretty decent time of it for a while but i will say that game that we played, where uh, where we that endless game that went on for like uh, a couple hours. We played a three-hour game of endless in
1: in Killing Floor that went to wave thirty-eight, which was honestly the most difficult part about it was that it, I, we were it was it was like the fatigue. Yeah, you know what I mean. No, absolutely.
0: I was gonna say in a lot of ways, just kind of killed it for me. Like I I was not (laughs) having a good time.
1: No, I'm sorry. That sucks.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it it happens, right? Like, yeah, um,
1: yeah. I mean, it's funny because I really liked endless mode when we've kind of first discovered it. Like at first, we were playing survival short. Right and I was having a good time with that but um, but I eventually moved to survival long, which goes from four waves to ten waves, like the default is basically survival short, right, which is like quick ten fifteen minute games or whatever. Then I discovered survival long, which I liked a lot more because um it sort of stretches the game the the game out and you get um I don't know. You just kind of like get more time to to do things, and like that gradual build, I feel, is like better and more and more engaging. Like something that you can pull off in a long game is you buy sort of like interim guns, but then you sell them to get the better guns, right? So you're kind of like there are multiple stages on your build path before you hit final build. Um, the the different variety of like the zeds that are coming out, you are are different um and it's not just kind of like i don't know i so and so that and so then we got into um that long survival mode and then we got into endless because like we had to play it for like the weekly or something or maybe we were just like ah what you know what's going on maybe maybe endless is like a fun thing to do and we started playing endless and when endless has those like special rounds like boom, it says that every time you kill a Zed, it explodes like a grenade. And so, like, killing Zeds in melee is very dangerous. But, like, if you kill a bunch of Zeds at range, they will blow up on top of one another and you can get, like, 20 kills with one shot kind of thing. Um <clears throat> There is, you know, uh, um, the different waves that are, like, they're all skrakes, they're all bloats, they're all, you know, gore or whatever, where the different, um the different enemy types kind of like dominate the way that variety really made it a lot of fun uh for us to play and so but the thing is is that we were like struggling to get to wave like 15 uh because we were mostly playing endless on hard and the night that you and i were playing together our personal server was down so i couldn't find any endless hard game so i was like ah how much different is endless normal well it turns out that you go 40 waves on
0: endless. Yeah. Online. It
1: takes three fucking hours and it's just like, you know,
0: yeah. I, I think part of it is that like you cap out pretty fast, right? Like the, the game clearly wasn't designed for like endless to have like uh to like have like a, a, a thing to do towards the end of it. Right. Like you're just like at some point, yeah. you're just like not building towards things anymore. Um, especially cause there's like not a lot of things to consume. Right. Like, um, I feel like something like a killing for three would be better at that kind of thing. Um, I think part of it too is just kind of like, it's like, like the game got like annoying before it got difficult, right? Like the last rounds of normal weren't particularly hard. They were just kind of like, well, I'm out of ammo and now I have to deal with this, right? Like it it didn't Mm -hmm. feel like, uh, it didn't feel like, like there was like a lot of dynamism going on that like kept it entertaining. Um, yeah, it- see,
1: I <clears throat> I like Killing Floor when it becomes tactical in your sort of like squad based strategies. So, for instance, we did the weekly this week, which was on the Hell on Earth difficulty, um, which was really fun and engaging because like hell. So the weekly is uh is another game mode that will like have a special thing, and this one is you are constantly in Zed time. But it is at the highest difficulty, right? It's at that hell-on-earth difficulty. And it required... A, we, we failed that at it a couple of times and required a lot of coordination on our end to be like, okay, this is the door that we're going to weld. This is the door that we're going to weld and then prime to explode. You know, we're going to... We're, we're calling out, okay, there's a scrape on me. There's a, there's a flesh pound. It's getting people to prioritize things. All of that kind of stuff. Uh, that's when the game was kind of at its most fun. Um, where it approaches that sort of... Um, I don't know almost like a raid if that makes sense yeah uh you know you have a bunch of people they all have their jobs and you're trying to like communicate efficiently in in a high stress situation right um endless on normal on that insanely hard or on that on that insanely late wave didn't feel like that right like Especially because, like, I kind of felt like we should have died, and then we kept going down to one person who would end up soloing the rest of the wave, and everybody would get back, but you just instantly buy up to final build, because everybody had, like, effectively infinite money, or whatever, and then everybody would run out, except for the berserker, who would then kite the wave around and, like, kill it, and it's like, you know, I don't know, I I don't, I don't, hop, hop, but if you're listening... Uh, thank you so much, because you're, you're awesome. But also, at the same time, if we didn't have that specific piece of the puzzle, I think we would have died at, like, wave 29, and yeah, it, it, it would have been a much better experience. It
0: would have been a couple rounds earlier, and, and I, like, t- to be fair to Hop, right? Like, it wasn't really annoying until that last round, and, you know, I'm not blaming him for trying to win, right? Like but Yeah, like... what
1: happened on the very last round is we pr- we picked up a mutator where all of the Zeds regenerate their health, so you can only kill them with burst damage, Um and so Hop's strategy had been to run away, turn back, hit him a couple of times with the melee weapon. The melee weapon obviously has infinite ammo, so you know he doesn't he he never ran out of ammo like the rest of us. Um and then slowly he would be able to like whittle down their health bars. But on the very last wave, Hop spent about twenty minutes uh just kiting the kiting the Zeds around. And in that time, you know, there was like one zed that he was able to kill because they would just regenerate back to full and i think that that was like the real the like the real problem kind of like underlying that sort of endless experience
0: yeah yeah no and and, and th- that's definitely part of it, but i also felt myself as kind of like getting bored of things right because like i mean i'll compare it to something like call of duty because i've played a fair amount of call of duty multiplayer which is not exactly the same but you know is sure has, has some comparison points like it felt like I had seen everything to see with, say, this, the Marksman, which is what I was playing, uh, just because, like, you know, like, the perks are, are cool, but they're not, like, game-changing in a way, um, whereas the, the, the way you play can be really changed by, like, your, your weapon loadout in Call of Duty, and, like, that includes, like, your perks, and that includes, like... Wait, 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 wait. wait. See, I,
1: I disagree with that. You don't think that the perks were changing the way that you were you were playing you weren't sitting and crouched the whole time you weren't choosing specific guns
0: uh, well so like i was so and maybe this is just the the design of the uh, of the interface but i was always choosing the sniper game like the like choosing the sniper um uh weapons right it was just like a a thing that like i was always doing right like it took me until right. like halfway through that to even realize i could buy other things um but like the like Sitting and crouch isn't a particularly dynamic change, right? And maybe that's just like key to the marksman, right? But like the the choice, like there's not so much difference between like running and shooting and crouching and shooting, if if that makes sense. Um, Oh,
1: I'm sorry. So there's also so my my thing with with sharpshooter is like. A lot of the perk trees are kind of like one build or the other, right? So, for instance, right. Gunslinger is the one I know the best. Gunslinger has, essentially on the left side, it's like a headshot accuracy build, right? Sure. You get rack up which is when you hit a headshot. Your next headshot deals, like, 10% more damage, and that stacks five times. So, if you're hitting, like, bam, 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 headshots, you're doing insane amounts of damage. And you also have high penetration. So, like, your headshot damage is then penetrating through to the zeds behind it. Um, and so, you're kind of, like... Um, creating these, like, lines of super high damage bullets. Uh, but it's all based on accuracy. And then the other tree is, like, hip-fire, unloading both guns super fast, reloading really quickly, and you're mostly aiming for legs. Because you hobble, like, when you... when You you deal extra damage to limbs, and when you deal a certain amount of damage, it'll cause, like, the Zeds to stumble or whatever. So, like, you know, when I'm going up against a Skrake with that build, I'm shooting it in the kneecap until... It dies, essentially, Um, and then even if it doesn't, it falls over because, like, I stunned it or whatever, and I feel like that is the, that's the typical experience you get. You kind of have, like, two, like, two paths, right, Um, and for sharpshooter, one of them is you get more damage when you crouch, you get more damage when you're stationary, and the other is, like, your shooting speed is increased and, like, your reload speed is increased or something like that. Um, and so one of them is kind of like you are sitting and rooting yourself in one position, and you want to have big long sight lines to get high value, high damage, accuracy bullets. Right. The other build is kind of like, well, you know, you're still looking for headshots, but you are you are uh, you are more free to sort of like move around to kite. You're taking kind of like mid and close range engagements rather than trying to keep everything at long engagements. And I feel like those are kind of like markedly different strategies.
0: So so they're. Mm. So, maybe part of this is the map, but, like, it's not, like, the ability to shoot at long or mid-range is, like, like is is really, like, it's not like I lost the crouching bonus damage if I was shooting at short range, which inevitably happened once, like, there was enough things on yeah. the screen. Um, I think part of it, too, is that, like, it's it doesn't change the way the guns really shoot, if that makes sense, um, right? Like, it, I... Maybe this is just kind of like an experiencing. Also, I was relatively, I'm relatively shallow in the trees, so so maybe that's part of it. Um, but I feel like I'm not playing like I'm, I'm not like significantly changing up how I'm how how I'm uh, how, how like the like the basic sh- the shoot kill loop goes. And I, I, now that you say it, I, I think that part of this is just kind of like. Um, it's just kind of like that it's that that it's uh what's it that that, that i'm i haven't don't have enough perks to to kind of explore and and feel that difference but i think i think part of this and I, i think i think this is uh part of it is that like that that difference in kind of like the way things play isn't particularly legible right like um like i didn't feel like i was that much Different crouching and shooting than it was standing and shooting without the perk, right? Because they only like actually activated the perks like halfway through the run, because that's when I when I hit them, uh, the crouching perk, and I felt it a bit, but it didn't feel super impactful the way that like a weapon change does in in, in any type of game. Um, uh,
1: and and you cycled through like the different sharpshooter weapons. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Okay.
0: I think maybe part of this too. This is something I was gonna say uh, say for later, but I think it's it's appropriate now. Is that like. Um, something like Call of Duty has really good feedback as to, like, when you do something, right? Like, hit markers and then also, like, confirmation on a kill. And in Call of Duty, it's like, you know, you get 100 points for killing somebody because it's, like, part like, you know, it's a team deathmatch game or whatever. Um, but you get, like, hard confirmation that you've, that you've killed somebody. And I think something like that would go, like, because I couldn't tell, like, if it was me killing somebody. And, you know, in some cases I could, but, like, or if it was just kind of, like, I was contributing or whatever. Um, it just felt like... It didn't feel like I had I had a hard time like uh, basically understanding what I was doing and part of this too is that like you know the character... like it, this is a an older game um and like the characters don't particularly react to your shots unless you're like staggering them if that makes sense right like like it it. The the nature of the game is kind of like you spray bullets at a thing and then eventually it falls over, but it's not always super clear that you're the one that made it fall over. I think- yeah,
1: there is I, I I do actually agree with this point. There is a uh, like a kill counter that I just learned about like the other day, and it's so useful, right? Like it, in the options menu because it'll show um, in like the top left corner, if you kill something, it'll show like a little skull and it'll be like scrake or you know, like gorfene oh, or something okay. like that. And it's like, why, why is that not default on? I Was my first, you know, was my first thought. Because being able to not just call out that, like, you know, there is a scrape, but that, that it, you killed it, that it's dead, is, like, insanely useful. And, um, and I do kind of agree with you that, like, that sort of feedback. Like, sometimes it's easy, right? Like, sometimes you shoot a thing in its fucking head. It, the head explodes in a big giant pile of goo and it falls over that's pretty that's pretty obvious but especially with like the bigger tougher enemies where kind of everybody's like sitting and wailing on it and sometimes it will fall over but it's like that's just it getting stunned um by something like my gunslinger perk right um having having it be like very clear that like okay Scrake is dead let's move on to other sort of targets um is like necessary
0: yeah i i think i think what this like given the tone of this game i think that something like a, like a ball storm level like you know like you know like you know point scoring system or something right it's like you know like you know like headbuster or whatever you know you get 600 points and it like makes a little confetti noise on the screen or whatever and maybe not that that extreme but i feel like that tone would or that meshes with the tone of the game and i think would go a long way and kind of like uh, driving the game. and also I think like would go a long way in kind of like keeping the game feeling fresh because like you know if you're like going for like score or something, you can like rack up points with creative kills or whatever, uh, right? Like it's, like the same types of things that really kind of drive the the engagement loop in uh, Gone Viral um, to like yeah. like like that, that same type of principle I th- I think would be well at home at this in this game.
1: Um. No, I I definitely feel that. I also think that, to a certain extent, the game wants you to, to shuffle around, which is part of why, like, that Endless game was a particularly bad experience, in a way, because, like, I think Killing Floor is at its best when you are cycling through maps... You are, you know, cycling through classes. You look at your dailies and you go, oh, I have to play for a certain amount on SWAT. And maybe that, like, sucks, right? Like, maybe you don't like SWAT and you don't want to be like, oh, god, I can't believe I have to play some SWAT or whatever. But, like, on a smaller, more primal level, having that break from whatever your main is is actually pretty nice. And so, like, being encouraged by the game to play a little variety actually kind of like extends the life cycle of it um one of the things that i appreciate about the game is it'll let you swap perks in the middle of a match you know in that endless game i swapped from god i don't even remember but i was playing a couple of different things i think i ended on gunslinger um just because it is, like, my, my favorite. But, like, being able to kind of be like, okay, well, you know, I don't really think I want to play Gunslinger anymore. You sell your Gunslinger guns, you change your perk, you buy a bunch of demolitionist weapons, whatever the case may be. Um, and in a certain sense, that is kind of what gets you into that uh, different sort of sense of variety. Um, is like swapping around it, it from from level to level. From perk to perk as you are you know gaining experience in different places or in different ways or filling out a need on the team like oh somebody really needs to be medic somebody really needs to be support somebody really needs to be you know whatever else um I think that that's pretty useful
0: yeah no i I, I think I, I I think that makes sense I also think part of this is just like you know like at least from my perspective as a newer player I didn't want to switch stuff up right like you know we' we're, we're, we're on this great run like am I really gonna be the guy that switches to like something that I've never played before and potentially, like, just, like, it falls over immediately when I'm, like... Yeah,
1: yeah, that definitely sucks, especially because, like, you're level zero, you know yeah. what I mean? So it's like, okay, well, am I going to go... At least on Sharpshooter, I'm level 10, and that that's something. But right. if I swap to level zero SWAT or whatever, am I just going to, like, kind of fuck things up for everybody? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I also think that the game... This is something that I think about a lot of shooter games and I've talked about when it comes to us... Um, evaluating destiny 2 in the past could really benefit from which is sort of like the more dynamic objective based play my understanding is that killing floor actually has a mode for this that rachel played um and said was pretty good where you know there are kind of like little stories throughout the maps um we tried to do this on santa's workshop actually because that's one that has it natively like if you play that map on survival you will get you essentially have to escort a payload but like there are one wave you'll have to escort the payload and repair it when it gets damaged by the zeds um and another wave you might have to go like repair power converters or whatever which is you going to different spots of the map and using your welder or covering someone who is using the welder um or you know you might have to clear a bunch of zeds out of a zone and then pull a special lever or something like that so you kind of have these like little miniature objectives that really shake things up and change the change the dynamics of the gameplay um to to keep things fresh the the game that i think does this best and i will never i will continue to die on this hill is payday 2 which honestly like lives and dies by that if you compare right. i think the base level horde shooting like wave modes of payday 2 to killing floor killing floor wins by a mile it has better it has more variety in the guns it has more variety in the enemies it has better and like clearer perks and like talents and upgrades and all and all that other sort of you know like all that stuff right but the thing that payday is king at is putting you in a map and getting you to sort of like jump through these different hoops that are radically changing the way that you engage with the maps around you right um and that is all has always been special, and I have never seen it replicated anywhere else to you know uh, a sufficient like a sufficient degree. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll say that I think the Destiny raids kind kind of do do that do this well as well. But like, it does it well once, and then like once you've got like a raid on Farm and Destiny, it stops being fun. Um, in that yeah, way. like
1: one of the things that I really loved. So something the thing that people farmed when I was playing a lot of Paid Two was uh, I think it was called like Overcooked or like you know, whatever, and it's, you're in a, you are in a meth house, and you are cooking meth, right? And that's the thing that people sat on, and and they farmed, right? But the thing was, and, and you're, like, fighting these waves of cops or whatever, but the thing was, you could cook as much meth as you want, and the ingredients for making the meth are all around the map, inside of the house, outside of the house, in the shed near the house, right? Um there are a random assortment of a of ingredients and then you have to combine the ingredients in particular orders listening to the voice instructions of the guy on the radio to like appropriately mix things at the correct time right like people joke about muriatic acid in the in like the payday 2 subreddit about this because of how people do it um and at the and the whole time you are you know facing down just like wave after wave after wave after wave after wave of cops right um The thing that makes that so eminently grindable and fun is just that the baseline of having to juggle all of those disparate pieces at once is so satisfying. And so it's it it is the it is the exact opposite of a wow raid where you are essentially performing elaborate choreography, right? Like it is synchronized swimming, in game form this is it's so much more improvisational because you are having to react to things like on the fly and so much of it is sort of like randomized um that it all it always just it felt so engaging i must have farmed i must have farmed that map like a hundred fucking times um but you just keep coming back to it whereas like uh, you know the very basic lowest level bank heist is something that you could hypothetically synchronize swim
0: yeah no no that, that that makes that makes a lot of sense to me um yeah like that, that variation aspect i think is like really key to to kind of keeping things fresh across all of these all of these genres i, I think that's kind of like why people get get sick of uh get, get sick of these things in in general um i'm trying to think if i can think of any anything else i thought that that's done it super well because i think you're right like payday 2 definitely does it really well um yeah, I, I at least not off the top of my head, I can't think of anything that like keeps it super fresh. Like, um, it's almost kind of like a roguelike in that way, right? Like, we kind of have to yeah. go go with, go with the things as, as, as you go, and th- those obviously have a lot of longevity to them. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, but go on. Sorry, didn't mean to throw- Uh,
1: and then so, uh, uh, there. So there is another piece of this, which is um. One of the things I enjoy about the the way Killing Floor plays out is you get these kind of like maps. I like learning the maps on Killing Floor, right? Where it's like, Okay, here's here's the map. The first time, you know you kind of, like, pick a spot by the pod, and it's like, okay, well, this is the next pod, and the pod's, and the thing's had to time out, so I guess this is sort of where we're, like, hunkering down. But as you learn the maps more, you have... You start to have, like, okay, here is the choke. There is the choke. These are the long sight lines we want our sharpshooter on. This is the, you know, the spot that the demolitionist is going to keep lobbing grenades because it's going to get a bunch of, like, low-level, you know. And you, you end up getting a couple of those across... um Like, across the map, and it's like even if you know each each time it's at a different wave you have it you're at a different point in your build or whatever having having those sorts of things kind of like emerge from your own tactics and strategy is probably one of my favorite aspects of these games it's kind of like the um you know, something that I that I that I've talked about when it comes to wow rating that's a lot of fun is that improvisational aspect where it's like you're in the middle of the you're in the middle of the instance, you've been raiding, you've been wiping, and you start brainstorming ways like okay, well what if we changed our strategy a little bit here, a little bit there. You're kind of tinkering with it. But at the end of the day, right like you are mostly watching a video that somebody that somebody made and expecting everybody to run those mechanics the way the video asks you to run those mechanics, right?
0: Right. You know, the –
1: um I'm sure I could find that for these pay to, or for these Killing Floor 2 levels, but, like, I love that I haven't, or we haven't. And after a certain amount of time, we start to get our favorite spots and our favorite, you know, sort of strategies for how we hole up in different locations on different maps, uh, and that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I, I think this is, like, kind of related to some of the things that we've talked about before, right? Like, you know, not wanting to know the meta in Heroes of the Storm. The game isn't so difficult that you feel obligated to go to those things, right? Like, wow, even even on, like, kind of normal, um, the raids kind of, uh, the, the raids are at the level of difficulty where you need to be, like, thinking about how to do how, how to do it um, yeah. in advance, right? Like, whereas you like can... Like, you
1: might be able to, you know, deduce certain mechanics from, like, the Adventure Journal or whatever, but it would be impossible for my raid group to walk into a raid on normal on the day of release right and just be like let's just pull the boss and see what the mechanics do right like that it would just it never happens it would be ridiculous um and so i i definitely i definitely agree with that point
0: yeah and then like the, the other side of that is uh um well is it, like or rather, and the opposite, right? Like it's like raid finder is way too easy, right? Like you don't have to think about that, so you don't you don't get that kind of like you know uh, adjustment type of phase. Whereas like the ramping difficulty of killing floor at least gives you some space to play with that. Although like I like when when you started playing, I assume you were playing with a bunch of people who were also low level. Was normal yeah. challenging?
1: Yeah. So normal was pretty challenging, and making the jump too hard was incredibly difficult. It felt like okay um, where. We were, like, because one of the things that you'll get is, like, a complete, a, complete this, this map mission. Um, and that is always on a difficulty, and the difficulty is never normal. And so we started getting these, and we are like, well, you know, like, maybe we could complete the Tragic Kingdom on hard or whatever. Um, and we were doing it, and we were, like, wiping a lot, and it was, like, stressful. Um, and I think it was because we hadn't really, like, created these strategies. Now hard is kind of, like, the baseline experience.
0: Okay, see, that's interesting. I wonder if I got jumped up too hard, because normal, like, you know, obviously I'm playing with a bunch of high-level people. Normal felt, like, kind of trivial. Um, Like, every time we played, like, I felt like I didn't really need to do anything, and I I assume that's because you guys were, like, just, like, wiping the floor with everything.
1: Yeah, so something that happened with us was we were playing lots and lots of normal, and we eventually got to a point where we were competing in kill counts, and so what would happen is me and Fail would... um, basically never be with the group we will just run to the because to, the zeds are attracted to the nearest player right so if you separate yourself from the group and attract zeds to you you will get a higher number of kills than if you were with the group and like you're spreading those kills among six other people five other people um which is sort of the water finds a crack optimal play style for the goal of maximum kills. i want to get the most kills But it is explicitly the incorrect play style for, like, anything else, right? Um, Where if you are playing on hard, the last thing you want to do is run to the other side of the map and attract a bunch of Zeds on top of you. You are probably going to die, right? Like, unless you're super high level and, like, gear, you know, like, all this other sort of stuff, right? Um, I'm sure people who play on the top difficulty on the Hell on Earth difficulty can, you know, support that without too much trouble. Um And so, uh, that was, that was part of our, that was like part of our, our, our thing. Like normal, especially those easy waves are just like so easy. The other thing about normal is that, um, so first of all, you, you get more money. Um, second of all, you, so you get like into your good build faster. Um, second of all, uh, the Zeds do less damage to you, which I think is part of what made that endless round last so long even though they were pumping out more zeds and those zeds were tankier over time and they and you were just like run yourself out of ammo and stuff like that the zeds were still doing like a chainsaw hit from a scrape was just a chainsaw hit from a scrake. you know nothing it would never be anything else um and so i think that has uh, an effect as well
0: that makes sense i, I definitely get that um but yeah, so, so, can you can you tell me what, what has kept you coming back to it so many times? Because like I, I get that it's like the loop's pretty pl- pleasurable. Is it just that? But it, it feels like the advancement, uh, kind of, uh, how do I want to put it? The, the, the advancement scheme is, isn't like, like I when I was playing, I was I, I didn't feel any burning desire to kind of get higher levels with the other classes, right? Like not that I thought it'd be boring, just or that I, that I hated. Just didn't seem like a thing that I'd want to dedicate myself to.
1: I guess uh, the the variety of it really does attract me. I have a couple of classes. I'm basically at least level 10. I think I don't have level 10 Medic and I don't have level 10 Berserker, but I'm at least level 10 in all of those different classes. And there are some classes I like and some classes I don't like. Um, I don't particularly love Firebug. I don't particularly love SWAT. Um, but the experience... But like, but I will sometimes thread them in, at, like, to complete like a weekly or something, or to complete like one of my daily objective thingies, um, like kind of, kind of as necessary. But I definitely am motivated to like unlock the next level of perks um, because I do feel their effects in in a lot of ways. Like the, you know, when I got rank twenty five on Gunslinger, I basically immediately prestiged it back to rank zero, right? And as I went from twenty five to zero, and I was like, "Oh my god," I kind of forgot how hard it is to be a gunslinger at rank zero, right? I was immediately looking for. I was like, uh, please give me this level five perk so that I can swap between my weapons quicker. Please give me this level fifteen perk so that I can reload faster. These reload animations take forever. You know, like that kind of thing." Um, it definitely motivated me to keep pushing um, and keep getting more. You know, keep getting more levels, uh, which is interesting because i feel like the real sort of like reward system is like the cosmetic stuff right like after every map you get a little usb key and you might like unlock it um to do you know to get like a weapon skin or something like that but i'm typically not motivated by those like they're incidental to me
0: yeah not only that but like you don't see your character that much um like like the weapon skins i get i guess but like the, like, you know, there's all sorts of accessories for your character, but you, you don't see your character. You just see everybody else. Yep. In there, which is, like, a, a classic problem with kind of these first-person shooter games, right? Like, the problem with Overwatch, problem with Destiny. Um, uh, yeah, man. I'm, I wonder if there's a good way to solve that, like, um, in a way that, like, anybody would find meaningful. Like, is it, like, the answer might just be, like, play third-person shooters, I guess? but
1: Yeah, I mean, I remember playing Mass Effect 3 third-person, which had this system of, like, the online multiplayer thing. Um, and you could like customize your color scheme, and that was that was pretty great. Um, I feel like third person is really the only real answer, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which means like you know it's gonna always gonna be marginalized for uh, for the first person games, right? Like yeah. Uh, I mean, which might be good. It might make people make the company stop just making endless piles of cosmetics. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, yeah, and and weirdly. I want to say that those daily objectives and, like, the weekly and, like, the seasonal objectives that they introduced were also motivating. Um, But they were not motivating in a tangible reward sense. Because the tangible reward is just, like, these, like, dash crates or whatever. And you open them and you get, like, an emote or something out of them, right? It's the same sort of, like, cosmetic shit. It's kind of just that the gameplay is, like, fun and engaging. And I like that sort of, you know, sort of tactical behavior of me and the team approaching these situations strategically right um and then the game just kind of says hey this round why don't you play swat for a little bit this round make sure you pick up this weapon and deal a bunch of damage with it you know this round you gotta you gotta i don't know you gotta kill a bunch of these guys so every time you see a husk make sure you blow that thing up you know um that had a real effect on me, where I was, like, m- I was truly motivated by those systems for the sake of themselves, in a way. Um, in a certain sense, it's almost just kind of, like, to in a Skinner box way, just, like, fill the meter, right? Like, I don't really care about the crate at the end, but seeing that meter go up, that's satisfying.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I totally get that, you know. the num- Number go up, feel good, right? Like, that's, like, there's a whole genre of, you know, like, the hero clickers that, like, work on that. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, huh. Well, so because because I kind of got burned out after that uh, that long session we had. Um, do you want to highlight any of the any of the other mechanics that you think the game does particularly well? Since I since so you know, I did you late.
1: get the sense? Did you get the sense that the Zeds were changing their tactics? That, this is one of the things that I think is great is that is the Zeds change their tactics and behavior accordingly on higher difficulties and my understanding is that in endless they will do this as well um where certain zeds will do dodge rolls if they detect that you are you know like about to hit the like hit a headshot or something like that um like if you're aiming down sights at them they might try and bob and weave and stuff like that which i find to be very engaging behavior right so it's not just like It is the opposite of the thing that we have complained about when it comes to strategy games, where it's not just that they get buffed stats, which they do, right? They do get buffed stats. Um, But it is also that they are, like, in in a mechanical way, more difficult to face. Because, yeah, sometimes if you try and line up a shot, it is going to see that, and it is going to weave out of the way. It is going to cover its face. It is going to, you know... Uh, it is going to go from hobbling at you slowly to dashing at you at full speed. Um, any of these kinds of varieties of, uh, of things.
0: Yeah. So I can't say that I felt it super hard, but I I think part of that might be that like, at some point we were just getting swarmed like by, by enemies and like, as like a longer range character, um, like I wasn't like, I was aiming down the sights, and, like, I was just, like, shooting the thing in front of me, right? And so, like, it's not like it mattered so much. I think, I think they're just kind mm. of more like, you know, if we had been in, like, a situation where it was, like, more well-placed shots on a harder difficulty, that probably would have been more apparent. Because, like, it wouldn't have just been like, well, I need to dump as much ammo out of this gun as fast as possible so that I can kill as many sets as possible, um, were you
1: were, were you feeling like uh, this is one of the things about sharpshooter and gunslinger is that like they are particularly good at dealing with flesh pounce and scrapes, whereas something like a firebug or a demolitionist is particularly weak at it. Um, like, in a certain sense, you kind of have these AoE classes, right? Where if you're playing Demolitionist, your job is to just, like, kind of keep lobbing grenades into stuff with your grenade launcher. And it'll blow up the crawlers. It'll blow up, like, the little bitches. It'll do some incidental damage to, like, the Flesh Pounds and Scrakes. But they, they're not really, like, who you're there fighting for, right? Whereas, if you are a sharpshooter, you're you using one of your bullets, especially on, like you know the amr or the railgun. you using one of your bullets to sh- hit a headshot on a crawler is probably a waste of your ammunition and time you should be putting that bullet on higher health more dangerous targets like bloats like scrakes like flesh pounds um because you have the highest these high instances of single target burst damage right yeah. Which is also true of the, you know, like, which is also true of the gunslinger. Um, I feel like when that dynamic is working out well, that's part of when the game gets really, like, fun and good. Like, so for instance, something that'll happen when I'm playing gunslinger is, like, you, I will hear people call out Scrake, and I will respond to it be like, this is my top priority, laying into the Scrake with just all my fucking guns, right? Um, whereas if I'm playing Demolitionist and somebody calls out Scrake, I don't bat an eye. My job is not to deal with the scrapes. That's somebody else's job. And in a certain sense, it's kind of like creating these lines that you might see with, like, a tank and a healer or, like, melee and ranged DPS where you are prioritizing different aspects of the encounter based on your own strengths um, to make it, like, more engaging. This is one of the things that I actually had a lot of fun doing the weekly on um, – we were doing the weekly on a map where you could kind of hole up in this cafeteria. We may have played on this map. You could hole up in a cafeteria, and on one side you had a weldable door, and on the other side you had two weldable doors right next to each other, right? And um, And our strategy was we basically had three and then one big door on the far end of the room, which is where most of the Zeds came in, called the concourse. And more or less our strategy was we parked three-ish people on the concourse just chewing through those guys. And then there were three people in the back who were dealing with those two doors. And the way that we were dealing with those doors was basically we were always keeping one welded by cycling people and their welders through, right? And then the other door, we were letting it blow, killing a bunch of things, kind of spreading out and covering our support player as she repaired the door um, and then rearmed the door with another round of demolitionist door trap explosive right and kind of rinse and repeat that cycle and so having that level that kind of an advanced level strategy i found to be very like engaging and really like cool Um, whereas when you're just kind of like running around killing shit um the game I, de- I do think kind of gets a little bit uh I don't know like monotonous and repetitive
0: um so, yeah. so so I'm definitely I'm gonna comment back to the earlier stuff about like you know sharpshooter should focus the big guys and I totally get that um but I think this is one of the things that was particularly hurt by like lack of kind of feedback right like it is probably a waste of a shot for me to shoot like a crawler with a marksman rifle but if I do I see the head pop and like I get like I get like that's like I'm getting like mm-hmm. real feedback off of that, whereas with the with the bigger things, I never really felt like I could feel my impact. I think that like apparent like seeing health bars is like a perk of one of the classes, right?
1: Yeah, only commandos can see health bars.
0: I think that's a mistake. I think like the ability. To, I, I think like the ability to kind of see what your bullets do. Right, like, or maybe even if it isn't, if, if it isn't like a like a health bar, right? Like, maybe you want to reserve that, but like, like have like a number pop up or something, Just so you can like feel how you're how you're doing it. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I definitely get that, especially because like
1: I do think it is um, not confusing. It's a little bit confusing, I guess. Um, when you know you shoot something, and sometimes you'll stun it for a second. And you'll be like, did I kill it? Is it fucking dead? Do I shoot it again? Is that a waste of a bullet? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that interaction is not super great.
0: Yeah. No, I I, I absolutely agree. Um...
1: I also think in general that the weak spots on some of the bigger, heavier uh, targets are a little too well protected in a way. Uh, This is something that I have... Like so, Mass Effect Three had had this same sort of thing, right? Where you had like a, of a wide variety of enemies, but all of the enemies always had like one big important like thing that would show up, right? So, for instance, for the Reapers, it was a Banshee. Um, the Banshee was well protected and had a lot of hit points and everything like that, but it was easy to land headshots on the Banshee or or the Centurion for um, God, what is it called? Cerberus, um, where you know it's like this, this big robot. I feel like if the if the unit is going to be like more dangerous and it is going to like draw your attention and draw your fire of you know your sharpshooters or whatever, um, it kind of also needs to be like a little bit easier to really get uh to get a shot off on it. Whereas with flesh pounds, a lot of the time if I'm playing sharpshooter, I don't really worry about lining up the headshot because I feel like I'm gonna miss it. Uh, and so I just kind of pump body shots because they're more reliable. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I also think that this is a part where feedback is particularly important, right? Like you need something like that that tells you like, you know, you hit that headshot, right? Like, like whether that's like a, you know, a bright yellow number, right. Or like, you know, like, a. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I think the only feedback that exists in the game is the, the – the all of the zeds will have, like, a deteriorated head state. This happens with Sirens, and it happens with Scrakes, and it happens with Flesh Pounds, where if you deal a certain amount of damage to their head, that, like, their jaw will pop off, and they'll be, like, fucked up. And I think that is probably the only indication that you get, that yeah. you hit a headshot. Um,
0: yeah. So. I, I think what I what I would want is just, like, you know, like, like a crit number or, like, uh, you know, like a – like a like a like a like we like a sound right like Team Fortress 2 when you hit crits it would make like a special noise and i don't think that was perfect but i think it i think yeah. it was uh uh, a, a good way to kind of indicate that kind of thing.
1: I even think about like the the special bigger ding, like when you when you're hitting somebody, like if you're playing tracer in Overwatch or whatever, you're hitting somebody, you get a little X. But if you're hitting headshots, you get like a big X and a little like tink tink tink. Yeah, you know what yeah, I yeah. Mean? yeah, exactly. Even something like that, I feel like would go a long way when it comes to um, when it comes to this stuff.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and you know, I I just want to put this out there. I'm not. Like this is a, this is an older game. It's a game by a smaller studio. I'm not. I don't want to like l- be like you know like oh they should have done this. I just think this is like a very much kind of like a the things that we've learned along the way being applied to it. Um and I, like this is a this is these are the types of things that I fully expect to see in like a Killing Four Three, which wasn't oh, announced but was kind of hinted at at the PC gaming show, um a couple weeks ago. Oh um, really? So I actually uh, did not know that. So it, it kind of right like he. So uh, apparently, Tripwire has been at like every PC gaming show for like years, um, and he said something along the lines of "I think we're, we'll have some bigger news to announce next year." Um, so that 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 is that was my interpretation, um, especially given nope, the age of, uh, of Killing Fort Two, um, and uh, and like this is a, like this is this is a thing where like. I, I could also see it not happening, but I would expect there to be, like, a very good reason for it, right? Like, these, these seem, like, smart guys. Um, just super, like... I, I think something that's, like, super interesting about this game is, like, even though it is, like, 2015... 2015 isn't that long ago, but it definitely feels like a game that was from, like... I want to say, like, 2010, if that makes sense. Um, I think that's just a studio size thing, but... Uh, uh, like it's, it, 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 it feels like it lacks that polish, and I'd very much like to see, like, a a super well-refined version of the game, that kind of, like, feeds into all these kind of, like, needly bits, right, like, this game kind of made me want to go back and check out Borderlands 3 again, um, which I need to do at some point, but just because I didn't put enough time into it, but, like, um, like, it has, like, it doesn't have all these things, but it has kind of, like, that, like, uh, like, the kind of loops, and like that, the the uh the hordes of enemies type things at certain points, so um but it it, it definitely kind of like hits those itch doesn't scratch as well as, as nicely as I'd like it to, if that makes sense.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I definitely I definitely get that, and I definitely feel um the pull, I guess? Is pull the correct you know, like the, the, the pull of um you know, those other sorts of games. Like, I definitely have thought about picking up Borderlands 3 in light of all of the play that I've put into Killing Floor. Because even though I think Borderlands 3 is, like... Especially if it resembles Borderlands 2, which was, like, a finite experience that I wasn't looking to, like, replay. It was a very satisfying experience, right? Like, moving through the story with with people, with friends or whatever, um, and getting more powerful and, like, leveling up with, like, the talent trees and all of that sort of thing. Um, and I almost sort of, like, wonder what the that longevity versus sort of one and done nature of the of the game like means um because there are definitely some games that like i enjoy their mechanics but i play through it once i beat the story and it's over right um maybe i'll go back and replay it if i think it's particularly good but like that's that's the way the game plays um whereas borderlands i'm sorry whereas killing floor essentially looks more like a, a lifestyle game um, where it is encouraging me to come back every day, and I'm doing more or less the same things, but like, I don't know, just over you know over See, time, I guess.
0: That's weird because like Borderlands Two and Three are definitely supposed to, like they're not supposed to be like they're not like Destiny, but they're definitely supposed to be like in that kind of like lifestyle system, right? Like it's like Diablo in that like what you're supposed what's supposed to drive you is the loot is the guns, right? Like it, you're supposed to keep like uh, grinding like the story over and over to, to hit those yeah. uh, hit those moments. Um, I think something that, that Borderlands 2 lacked, and it seemed, I, I, like I said, I haven't put a ton of time into Borderlands 3, but maybe Borderlands 3 lacks as well as this kind of, like, story agnostic kind of infinite mode that were, like, to say, the rifts, um, in, in Diablo, um, or, like, kind of, like, the, the map clears that you would do. Um, you get the yeah. same Path of Exile as well. It's, it's weird because it feels like, at least to me, that, like, uh that the problem with, with, with like repeating the story is that like that like kind of gr- like grinds on you or like it kind of like feels weirdly more repetitive than just doing like things in an endless void like the riffs were. Um, you know
1: what's actually funny is that when I think about Diablo, I always think of this story. Like, I've done a lot of the riffs and stuff like that. Like, I talked earlier this year about going back for season whatever, 20 yeah. whatever season it's on. Um, and the thing that I was doing in that season was I was replaying the story. Um, even though I played through it, like, a million a million times.
0: Uh, I mean, I, I guess it's kind of, like, different... Stro- like, I wonder what it would take to get you to, like, like tap into that kind of... Because you, you it obviously taps into you for, uh, for Killing Floor, right? Like, um, uh, I think maybe this is part of, like, you know, we've talked about this before, your inexplicable love of Anthem with, like, like you don't care about the guns as much, which is kind of, like, the driving force behind, like, a lot of these kind of looter-shooter-type games. Um, is, like, getting a gun that, like, shoots right. Um. Yeah, well, so I think Anthem builds on my experience playing Mass Effect. Uh,
1: because Mass Effect and Anthem are very similar in the sense that, like, the guns matter in your loadout, and it's, and it's, like, important to your loadout, right? But, like, the principal way that you are engaging with enemies is with your abilities. Um, so in a certain sense, it's almost more of, like, an RPG, where it's, like... You know, the, the way I think of it is it's, like, the auto-attack... You know, thing where it's like, okay, I'm gonna launch my rocket. I'm gonna do my other thing, right? And now my my talents are on cooldown. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna pull out my gun. I'm gonna start shooting, right? Um, or the or you know, like maybe 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 the calculus is a little bit different. When I was playing Anthem, um, you know, there's obviously the setup and detonator sort of things. And so there were some times where I would play a thing which had a detonator ability, and I would sit on that ability till I had a good detonation. Right, and so I was spending a lot of the time just shooting, shooting guns because, like, I didn't want to waste that cooldown. If that sort of, uh, if that sort of makes sense, and I think that is unique. That I, I don't think that's the way a lot of other games. You know, uh, I don't think it's the way that Overwatch or Apex Legends or Destiny, right, uh, which all have abilities and kind of their cooldowns play. I think those games are primarily about the gunplay and supplementally about the the ability you might have a good opportunity to use an ability right if i'm playing fara in overwatch i don't hit my blast them back rocket on cooldown i wait for uh like i wait for a good opportunity and most of my time is spent trying to land my my rockets or whatever else um and so that's the thing and so that's the thing about and so that's my thing about like anthem when it comes to these sorts of things is i just think it's fundamentally constructed in a different Way than we tend to see these ludo shooters constructed.
0: Yeah, no, and uh, that that's definitely true. Although I would point out that Overwatch, like the guns being unique to each kind of character, I think helps that. Um, like, cause, uh, yeah,
1: I agree with that for sure. Um, and
0: uh, so, and and I I think I think you're absolutely right though. Like Destiny's kind of like very far in the end of the spectrum where it's like most guardians are the same, and like the the differences in the classes are kind of like very small. Um, I, it'd be interesting to see, kind of, like, because like, Borderlands is also on that end, too, right? Like, like the characters obviously play differently, but, like, it's not, like, they... It's, like, like their 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 abilities are, like, their kind of primary interactions. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like the, the thing with Borderlands is the passive nature of, like, the talents or whatever, where it's, like, okay... I mean, the only one I have really experienced with is Borderlands 2, where it's, like, Zero was all about getting crits, whereas... Yeah, I don't fucking remember these people. Um, one of the other characters was like, you know, more about steady bursts of sustained damage, right? Right. Um, and so like that stuff is what influences kind of like how you approach, but it's like, and, and it is particularly gun facing. And then you have your ability, which is like, a lot of the time is something of like a cooldown in kind of like wow terms, right? Where it's like right. a two minute cooldown that you use in a high intensity situation or something.
0: Yeah, I, I would be very interested to see a game that kind of, like, melds, like, the gunplay with, like, something like a Diablo, where, like, your skills are very customizable and very important. Um didn't uh, you
1: think the skills were customizable in Anthem?
0: I thought, so, I thought that they were, like, like I didn't think you had a huge range of them. And the other part of this, too, is that it, do, it didn't meld with the gunplay super well, right? Like, like, I think it's definitely more on the Diablo end, but it also felt right. like... Like the individual skills didn't feel super, um, super different. I also didn't get super far in Anthem, so maybe maybe that's, that's fair. Because that, that...
1: because that is a system that was an anthem in the sense that like you would get different pieces. In Anthem, it was in your, on your armor, they, like the, these things. But like you would get a flamethrower and you would put it on your armor, and that would give you the flamethrower ability. And your flamethrower could have stats and you know like special ability or like whatever else, right? Um, which I thought was clever and I think is smart and the correct direction for that game to go. Um, though I do think that in general, those abilities were pretty narrow on launch. Um, like for instance, I'm trying to think of I haven't played Anthem in a long time, even though I'm like fucking like the last person who cares about this game on the planet. Um, you know, what is the difference between, well, actually now that I'm actually thinking about it, they were pretty different, I guess. But like so the colossus would have an arm slot and you could put on that arm slot you could put a like an electrical pulse thing where you trigger it and just does a, like an AoE on yourself and it primes everybody near you with like electric damage you could do a flamethrower which would like run out of ammo or whatever but it would be just like sustained and that would put people on fire and you could do this acid cannon thing that would be like chunk 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 like globs of acid that you could that you could put on guys um in a certain sense Maybe, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not remembering correctly but I do I do agree that I feel like the different abilities that you could assign to your loadout in anthem didn't have a super wide variety in the same way that like the different abilities that you can put on a loadout for a Diablo character has a ton of variety do you yeah. know what I mean
0: yeah and, and I think part of this I think there's this like weird aspect for, like your your main weapons always kind of like your big focal point in in, in any of these games but it feels less so like it felt like a mismatch in Anthem and maybe that's kind of like an expectations thing, but like because like a sword and a hammer, like one handed sword and one handed hammer in Diablo, like like they swing slightly differently, but they mostly swing the same. Um and like, you know and like, you know, uh, two handed things a little bit different and like a shield's a little bit different, but they all like still mm-hmm. f- swing like mostly the same. I think that's like the the, the big uh, the big thing like that keeps them from feeling like they, they should dominate the kit. Whereas, like, um, guns, like, fire very differently. Um, yeah. And I feel like you could do something a little bit, like, different with... Uh, it's, it's it's weird, because I, I just don't think... Like, I feel like it, it would feel bad to do, like, guns differently. Like, to not do guns differently, right? um I think you just have to, like... I feel like what you'd probably want is something almost like, say, like, Guild Wars 2 does. Where, like, you're weapon determines part of your skill set, right? So, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, like... Ma- if you're
1: carrying the minigun, you might also carry, I don't know, a, a piece that affects that or whatever.
0: Right. Or, like, you know, like, you know, your your two weapons are, are like, you know, like, instead of that flamethrower being, like, an arm slot thing, right? Like, it would be, like, like, your main weapon is a flamethrower and, like, that determines, like, half your skills and, like, you could switch out to something else to... to yeah access other skills or something like that and that like keeps the gun as your focal point um without feeling like it's being and and like gives you that access to that broader array of skills without uh feeling like it's uh being marginalized by the abilities in a weird way yeah um yeah yeah that's a that's that's a thing to think about um but we're verging on the but end i guess we're our, at time yeah <laughs> uh, how was your week
1: uh, well, my week, what, what did I do this week? Uh, well, we played Star Wars. You wanna, do you want to yeah, start on Star Wars? let's talk about Star Wars. We did Wall River's loyalty mission, which was, um, it surrounded a slaver camp on, uh, like on, on an uncolonized world. And you guys kind of had to go to that world and interface with the, uh, with the camp. Um, I actually liked this session quite a bit because just mostly because it was like off the beaten path by so much, um in terms of like you guys are typically doing stuff around urbanite you know like cities towns you know uh so doing something that was like really out there in you know space where you couldn't there were there were not a lot of other people around um i thought that that was a nice change of pace
0: i i absolutely agree um it it i will say it did feel a little bit more linear right like it, it felt like they're just like there. There wasn't me. Um, it was just the, the way that we just kind of like lucked into it. But it felt like there weren't a lot of other ways to have approached uh, the problem in terms of like the the large steps, right? Like, like if in some of the other missions it felt like we could kind of come up with whatever we wanted. whereas this one it felt like okay, uh-huh. we're gonna go from we're gonna find we're gonna go to one of the we're, we're gonna go to the ship and we're gonna find. The coordinates And maybe if we got to a different point, we would have done something else. But, like, you know, it ends up at this camp, and then you have to lure her out because you made it very clear that we couldn't, like, assault the camp successfully. Yeah, so,
1: I unfortunately, I feel like I fucked that up a little bit because the idea was not that you couldn't assault the camp. Um, it was more that you couldn't murder Hobo the camp.
0: Right, okay. Um,
1: in the sense of um, – what I actually expected you guys to do was to – get in the ATST, get in the occupier tank and just fucking go ham on them, right? You would have to figure out something to do with those turrets and you would have the other occupier tank as like something that was really threatening, but once I realized that like basically a, a, a regular trooper on the ground cannot effectively damage an ATST or an occupier tank, um I was like oh this is actually kind of awesome. Uh, because it let me put two hundred stormtroopers and you could just like blast through a certain number of them. Right. Get to get Drenda Jun, kill her, and then retreat without like a ton of danger. Um so I think I fucked that up a little bit. Um but
0: uh That's fair. Yeah. No no. Like I I I, I get that, like and like maybe if we had thought it through a little bit more we could have we, we could have dealt it, but I think part of this too is like we also like hadn't done a ton of vehicle combat um
1: yeah i mean this is something i specifically this part of this was because wall specifically has a build that is friendly to vehicle combat where i knew immediately when i was like essentially designing this mission i was like oh well vehicle combat planetary vehicle combat fucking around with walkers and speeder bikes you know like has to be a core piece of a of something that um you know that's that's built for him Um, and so that was where I was like, okay, well, so the first thing is there are, they have to deal with a bunch of guys who may be in vehicles, right? Which might include, you guys eventually sort of did a mix where you, uh, stole some of the vehicles and fought vehicle on vehicle. And then you also, um, like we're also doing kind of like hand to hand stuff. Um, I was also thinking that maybe you would fall into a position or maybe you would find a position where um you were doing starship versus vehicle combat uh but that ended up not happening um close though uh, and um what else was i thinking about yeah i mean that was that was really it is that i wanted to make vehicle combat like a big thing for for this uh for for this session
0: makes sense And, and you were successful at that um it was a long session too uh yeah
1: yeah, I feel bad about kind of I feel like the ending was not great just because we were all pretty like tired.
0: Yeah, I, so so the, the the tough thing to do about the ending too, is like like I felt like what it was supposed to be was like Walriver fighting this woman like one on one, but like then it became obvious that like he probably wouldn't survive that, but at that point it is kind of like I don't know, it, it feels like a weird thing to kind of orchestrate properly to 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 make it uh to make it have the right dramatic stakes if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. Like, part of my thing, I was like, "Oh, I know what we'll do. I'll make her a royal guard because royal guard are melee focused imperial nemesis," and I was like, "This makes sense." But the nemesis characters are built to be taken down by the whole team. Right. If that makes sense, um, and so it's like, okay, well, do I make her a rival so that he like one v one's her? But that seems like it just sucks and is terrible. I don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't really know how how that really like should have. Um, should have borne out i guess
0: yeah i I feel like the the way to do that is something like you know in the way you do it in star wars is you have like cuts and you cut between like the jedi fighting and like the big battle on the outside where the other characters are playing Um, yeah
1: i mean i guess we did that in the listening post pretty well where we had like different sort of like theaters of war in a way yeah um in a certain sense, I guess I almost wrote myself into a corner. Like, hypothetically, if Drenda had showed up with more than just that one tank, you could do the thing where she leaves the tank as it's about to be destroyed, and then Rubber gets out and chases her down, but there are still other ATSTs or whatever that you have to deal with at the same time, right? Um, so that the rest of the party still has stuff that they're focused on.
0: Yeah, or, like, maybe there's, like, a portion of, uh, of the regiment of troops out there, and so, like, you know, like... The, our vehicles are starting to fail, so, like, you know, we can't all stay in them as, as they, like, you know... I, I feel like the right answer there is, like, you know, give some of those troops, like, and, like rockets or something to, like, slowly... Yeah, yeah. In, so we have to start dealing with the regiment as well, we' was, like... Yeah, you know. that
1: was something that I was thinking about when it came to... Um if, like, you guys were attacking the base. Part of it is that, like, you found a pretty linear direction through the story in yeah. the sense that, the yeah, like, you technically had the coordinates of the camp and the coordinates of the starship, and there was that line that was the starship goes to the camp, goes to the – or the starship goes to the hunter place, goes to the slaver camp, right? Right. Um, and that was the line that you took. But hypothetically speaking, first, if uh, – d4 had hacked you could have gotten to the slaver camp right away um the the like the encrypted code or whatever um and or if you had gone straight to the hunter camp this is where i thought starship combat might come into play um if you guys were like well we're gonna go straight to like the hunter camp or whatever now you're dealing with these planetary turrets and there's an atst but like you know these things are generally pretty weak compared to like your starship you guys in the starship should probably be able to take them out kind of thing um so
0: yeah, I mean the it, one
1: thing I wanted to do that I didn't do was have you guys fight a reek, but I felt like uh, the reek stuff. I felt like you had a pretty good answer to the reek stuff, and I was satisfied with that. So I was like, ah, we'll skip it.
0: That's fair. Um, I, I think part of that too is that like the uh, like the 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 with with the spaceship to the hundred camp, like you made it very clear that the, the, the force is very thick and it'd be tough to do the fight, and I get that. Like that was probably a good balancing act for if we wanted to actually do it, but like it. Like, it felt like a, you're not supposed to do that, don't do that type uh, of thing. So,
1: it was a, you're not supposed to do that because it was Nick flying alone. Yeah. Because uh, no. you, guys, you guys were all on the ship, and I was like, well, Nick can't fly the fucking orphan to the, to the spacer camp by himself. Right. To, to, the, to the hunter camp by himself and, like, face all these turrets or whatever. So, um.
0: Yeah, no, uh, I, I think it's kind of like, you know, I'm not blaming you because it's, you know, thinking on your feet type of thing. But, like, that yeah. seemed to, like, foreclose it as an option to the group. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, I don't know if, like, you know, with, with obviously with the benefit of hindsight, right? Like, I think, like, maybe the way to play that is like, you know, warning shots from those turrets, so like Nick doesn't think he can take it by himself. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's that, that's neither here nor there. You know, things things. Yeah, turn I in liked the the, I
1: liked the middle approach on that that camp probably the best. I think that was my favorite part of the of the session. I, I did like the submerging starship. Um, as, like, a neat, like, a small little encounter, but it probably went on a little bit too long um, because of the way that, like, uh, just, like, because because of the way the session happened. Oh, because Nick showed up, like, halfway through, and he was in the ship, and he was like, well, I go take a look at this. And then I was like, oh, right, but they fired the blaster cannons, right. which made the reeks start stampeding or whatever, and that kind of, like, broke the moment a little bit. Uh, but I really liked the kind of stealth approach, and you guys had a plan to, like, go deal with, you know, these pilots. You're going to kill them before the vehicles, but one of them's already in the ATSD, so you had to kind of, like, you know, work around that. I thought all that stuff worked probably uh, the best. Um,
0: yeah? Yeah. No, I I, I also I,
1: liked the bit where she got out of the tank, and you guys were sitting there just, like, critting the tank, like, what? What? She, is she just going to die? ha, <laughs> ha. No. <laughs> like...
0: Yeah, I think that also might have been, like, a good opportunity to, like, if you could have, uh, if you could have um, signaled that, right? Like, that's where Wallwerber hops out of the tank and he goes and hunts her down while we deal with, like, this, this, the, the, uh, what's it called? The shell of this tank, which maybe still would have been a threat, right? Like, So that's something that kind of impressed me as, like, a system. Whereas, like, even though this tank is, you know, mostly down, it's still kind of like, it still should be a threat, right? Like, I guess we disabled a weapon Mm -hmm. or something. But, like, if it was firing back, right? Like, you know, that's still an act, that's still a live fight. It's just, like, one that we have clearly have the upper hand on. Yeah,
1: I had, I misunderstood the rules. My understanding was that with nemeses and with vehicles, you crit them until they die, basically, right? So, like, even if it's at its max wounds, it is still putting out damage. It is still putting up a fight. When Nick showed me the rule where it was like when it hits its wound threshold or whatever, its hull threshold, it stops, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks. Because that was my intention was to have it kind of keep firing back. But then, you know, and so you're sitting there and you're critting it over and over and you're really driving it into the ground. But then you find out that she, you know, like that that she had escaped. The The tip-off for that was that she was broadcasting. Right, uh, right. But, uh I, I don't think that that was insanely obvious because it was like cause she could be broadcasting from the tank. Like, granted, you know, if this tank is getting pummeled by fire, you would otherwise expect to hear, uh, like, evidence of that. But, you know, yeah, that, that's I don't one think of those, that was incredibly well communicated. Yeah, it's one
0: of those kind of, like, narrative, like, realism breaks, right? Like, you know, I, like there is a certain amount where you don't know if it's just kind of like you know this is this is the way it happens and you know right. like those yeah, the little yeah. things like go-
1: what i'm saying when i'm sitting here speaking the words that she's saying am i just editing out all of the blasts and the booms right
0: yeah yeah like maybe the way to, maybe the way to do that is to be like you know like have someone roll like some sort of insight check or just be like or like mention that like you know you clearly hear her you know like mention that it's like you know clear right or or some something to 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 to, to point it out. I, I don't know. Like, obviously it's a tough thing. So I'm not exactly mm-hmm. sure how you do it. Um, is the rule that like, it's like that all the systems on the tank shut down or is it that, uh, is that it just stops moving?
1: Uh, all the systems on the tank shut down.
0: Okay. So that, that is much less impressive. Like, Yeah. um,
1: Honestly, it's something that I think about, like... I I get it because it stops combat from, like, really dragging, in a way. Right. Um, but I do not love the way uh, it kind of hamstrings that kind of combat.
0: Yeah, I, I think the problem is... Or the problem with that in particular is that there were no other, like, kind of visible threats. Right? Like, like all we had to do is pound this tank, right? It's not like we were dealing with anything else, and... Yeah. If that's the case, then we're not going to do anything besides pound the tank, right? Especially because we didn't detect that.
1: Yeah. The fu- uh, so the funny thing now that I'm reading it is uh, is it was actually supposed to explode, killing the pilot and any passengers. But like at the GM's discretion, the vehicle may simply be disabled. That was the that was the rule. Uh,
0: so. Oh, wh- when it hits moon threshold, that's what happens.
1: So yeah, and it's partially because the tank is a special. It looks like so at silhouette three or smaller. So, like, a TIE fighter is, like, Silhouette 3, the tanks are Silhouette 3, the ATSC is Silhouette 3. I think those are supposed to just kind of blow up, right? Mm. Um, but because of the way that this had been set up, I didn't want to use ATATs. ats um, Right. I was thinking about it, but I eventually kind of... I, I just... I, something I, that I liked was you guys could have approached it as speeder bikes, um, as an ATSC and the tank. And it was like, okay, do you want to put... It's kind of like choosing your ship in Sea of Thieves, right? Do you want the one ship, the two ship, the three ship sort of thing? Um, and uh, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I feel. I feel like I just needed like more, more happening, right? Like I also feel like that the like the land vehicle combat, isn't super well. Like it feels like it's like the bastard child of like personal combat and spaceship combat. Um huh. it doesn't feel like it got a lot of love, which is I think fine for the most part, but I think I think that like a little bit of something would would, would, would uh would help. Also I, I think that maybe we're just like, you know. It's one of those things where like, you know, we were in two vehicles, they had one, uh, we were going to win that fight, and, you know, we kind of like uh how do I want to put this? We, we kind of like you know, clevered ourselves out of fun, if that makes sense, right? Like, you know, we did so well with our stuff that it made the, the, the encounter less compelling, which is, you know, kind of supposed to be a reward for us, but also kind of like, you know, sucks and drags at some point. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, I feel like that's just also the nature of D&D sometimes, you know, things things work out and, yeah. uh, and it can make it a little bit like less dramatic in a way, but, you know. I think in a real world, I probably would have thrown more loops, but you know when we're sitting at eight forty five with a nine p.m. starting time to- or ending time, it's kind of like all right, we gotta wrap
0: this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, like I also think back on, it, I think if if it had like just been like if we had moved to the fight the what's her name right when the when it hit its wound threshold, it probably would have felt a little bit better, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, because we we did spend a fair amount of time just kind of like rolling over the the tank and waiting for it to. To happen.
1: Yeah. I am excited to play Star Wars. Uh, So uh, we won't be playing next week because it's 4th of July. But the week after that, Manga will be GMing. And I will be creating and picking up a character. Omega, the the ARC Trooper, you know, clone commando. Who is a character that I will have you know. Dates back to my time in high school. I've always had this idea in my brain for like a former clone trooper. You know, who is... uh, Who's like a badass but in the in like the empire the rebellion era era kind of thing um uh, so I'm very excited well I didn't realize at the time but somebody pointed out that there was like an arc trooper tree and I was like oh this is my shit like I'm so into this
0: yeah no there's a couple there's like a retired clone trooper like tree as well I think like there's there's a bunch of stuff in there that uh that's 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 fun to look at um and I'm super excited like I'm gonna need some backstory out of you because I I'm 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 uh I'm I'm definitely gonna write the, the mission kind of around it, but it's uh Yeah, my thing with Omega
1: is I'm gonna try and do like a gunslinger two pistols sort of build. If you if you watch the Clone Wars series, Captain Rex is an arc trooper and he uses two pistols. And I feel like that's just like a natural thing for uh for arc troopers to sort of like do. But I have to like look at the talents and see how it all like breaks down and stuff like that and if like dual wielding makes any sense in this in this system. Um because I feel like, if not, I might need to go a different direction with it.
0: Yeah, so so I know that, like, um, there's a gunslinger tree for smuggler. I didn't read the Age of Rebellion stuff super close, so I recommend reading, like, the Age of Rebellion stuff and kind of, like, the clone trooper-specific stuff, which is in a couple of the different books. Um, so may, maybe there's something there. also maybe one of the universal trees, but, like, um, it seems to me, at least, that, like, a lot of stuff focuses on, like – on the ranged heavy, which is like more blast rifles, but, uh, uh-huh. you know, g- give it a read down and you'll, and you know, you can figure it out. Um, but like I said, gunslinger for smuggler definitely has like that specialization in there. Although that doesn't quite sound like what Omega wants to be. Um, but I'm sure that there's, there's, there's talents exist somewhere else. Cause they, they, they have yeah, right see, there.
1: I'm looking at it now. Um, I think the talent I'm looking at is rapid fire where you may perform, you may add the auto fire item quality to range like combat check. Um, so maybe it's like something along along those sorts of lines.
0: Yeah. I mean, oh
1: no, I see it as an incidental. suffer for two straight to avoid increasing the difficulty of a ranged light check to attack with two weapons, guns blazing. I think that's what. That's, yeah, yeah. that's the key.
0: Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that there's. It might not be called that, but I'm sure that that if Captain Rex is a popular character, I'm sure that they that they built that into the system because they they did that kind of thing. i like, there's like stuff you can look at. and be like, that's clearly inspired by this character, right? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: I like that. There's stuff in the uh, there's stuff in there like Clanker Killer, which is before rolling a combat check that targets a droid, you can remove um, uh, you can remove specific things to add. So okay, so before rolling a combat check that targets a droid, remove bonus die up to the character's ranks in Clanker Killer from the pool and add an equal number of success or advantages to the result, which is like, whoa. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, that's. Like,
0: that's 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 pretty uh that's pretty 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 nuts actually like uh, it is
1: honestly pretty nuts but i don't think that it works really because because uh, i feel like it's built for a campaign where you're obviously fighting a lot of battle droids whereas like in this you know you're fighting a lot of people in the in the edge of the empire sort of era
0: yeah i i think that part of it is that it's uh like because it's narrower you can give it a stronger advantage like that right like mm-hmm. um it's not always going to be useful. I, I think this is like we've talked about this before with like you know three uh, five and PF one E Rangers. Where like when you have a thing that's like very specific, like a favorite enemy type of thing, uh, it is too strong when it's and you're in a campaign that's focused on that, and too weak when you can't consistently use it. Um, so it just the kinda... real
1: question is: Should I take that talent just for like VRP, <laughs> like? So that if a if a droid opponent does pop up, it's like, oh, I got this.
0: <laughs> I think this system is much better for that kind of thing, right? Like it's not yeah. like the end of the world if you build an optimized character because kind of like your character is theoretically infinite, right? Like picking that up along the way isn't super hard. Um, Yeah,
1: I definitely feel that, especially when it comes to, um, like, the way the, you know, being able to buy stuff with experience and having it cost up over time. Like, getting 25 experience a session means that, like, I could fill out a lot of this tree pretty quickly, like, deceptively quickly compared to how you think about, like, talent trees getting filled out. Because each of the different, the low-level points are all five each, right? Right. The mid-level points are ten each. And so it's just, like, it's very cheap to get a lot of the... Um, a lot of the tree filled out essentially at a time.
0: Yeah, no. And and I would, how would I, put, I, I feel like, um, I feel like, like, you know, maybe I wouldn't spend like 20 points on one of those, but like, it was like five points or 10 points. Absolutely. I'd throw in, throw in stuff at that because it, you know, it's, it's flavorful. Um, yeah. or like, you know, like 10 points at like a skill point in something that the team needs or like in the thing that's like flavorful. That's the type of stuff that, uh, they think really shines. Um but uh aside from that how was how was your week?
1: Oh yeah, what else did what else happened this week? Uh the Hearthstone season is going to end again. I didn't get higher than plat 5, which sucks. Uh but I didn't play as much Hearthstone as I did last um last season, which I'm a little bit sad about. I think I finally kind of hit my uh like my appropriate MMR and so I have a much more straightforward win rate, I guess, um compared to earlier iterations my let's like my pirate warrior deck so i think the last time we checked into it i was at like a 70 percent. i'm now at 64 percent win rate 65 wins 37 losses um which is still you know for which is still great in the sense of for every two wins i lose so i'm still climbing with it kind of thing um but it doesn't seem like uh before where you know even just so, last month, at the end of the month, I had 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 wins in a row. Uh, just, like, right just in the middle of a, of a run. Here's another run of 4 wins in a row. Here's another one of 9, 10, 11 wins in a row. I feel like those sort of have gone gone by the wayside, and I am now facing uh, kind of like an MMR that's more appropriate. Also, the meta has changed. Um, where this deck was really built to bully Tempo Demon Hunter, this deck, like, just kicks the shit out of Tempo Demon Hunter, which is uh, a good deck, but is no longer the best deck. The best deck is now probably Highlander Hunter, um, and which is more of a curvy uh, mid-range deck than it is a, uh, you know, uh, a
0: tempo.
1: T- you are like super tempo aggressive deck, um, and so I think that has a that like sort of plays into plays into everything um and maybe makes you know a certain a certain set of changes i didn't actually play too much against hunter now that i look at it uh i ended up playing going three and two against hunter but like my deck went seven and zero against demon hunter uh so the win rate is pretty good against a deck that's no longer as active in the meta as uh as the highlander hunter has kind of become and some of its like variants
0: nice yeah um Uh, On my side, um, I played a fair amount of Titanfall 2 just because, you know, it's active again. And I had a blast with it. Um, Just, like, for what it is, it is, like, just, you know, kind of chef's kiss, right? Like, you know, zipping around, uh, shooting big robots, shooting other people, shooting other people with big robots. (laughs) Like, it is – I, like – so desperately want a Titanfall 3 and I want respawn I I hate like I hate Apex Legends because it, it, it has robbed me of Titanfall 3. Um
1: Are you sure are, do you do you know that for sure? Is that like Oh, uh, it's
0: it's so it's like it's kind of tongue in cheek, right? Like it was announced and it's been respawn's kind of focus and like it's in the Titanfall universe um but like like the I don't think it was ever super confirmed that it was instead of, Titan, but it's like you know it was like the thing that happened when we should have been getting Titanfall three, right? Like kind of kind of deal, right? It's like you know EA sandbagged Titanfall two so that they could buy up respawn and like make them into their. It's like a whole like thing, right? Like the whole thing that's yeah, like sure. you know a various, um, you know, uh, or of, of dubious truth. But like you know, I I feel it in my heart. God damn it! Respawn would have been the best devs ever, and we would have gotten Titanfall three and have given me like. Unicorns and rainbows, and, you know they've they've stolen it from me. He has stolen my birthright from me, buddy, and I will never forgive them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but like, like it's interesting to kind of hear them talk about some of this stuff because it's like you know they were like. We kind of wanted to try and put a Titan into Apex, but we couldn't figure out how to do it um, in a way that wouldn't, like, totally break the game, which, you know...
1: See, I feel like, in a way, that sounds like Fortnite. Like, Fortnite will put shit like that in the game and they'll break the game and they they, they don't give a fuck. I feel like if Apex did it, it, it would be, like, people would fucking riot.
0: Yeah, well, because it's supposed to be a little bit more competitive. Also, the, the thing about Fortnite is Fortnite has, like, the construction mechanics, which, like, mm-hmm. protect a bunch of stuff. Also, like... I think like the Thanos thing, which is like closest thing I could think of to, to what the Titan would be, got old pretty quick in in, uh, in Fortnite. Um, also, super limited. Um, yeah, so I, I think the real danger there is that like, if like if something's very good in say Fortnite or any BR where it's like an, a map based thing, then it's not the end of the world. Um, actually, I think that would make, like, if the Titan was, like, a thing that appeared on the map, I think it could work. Um, but if it was, like, a character's ultimate ability, I don't think it would work. Because that would, like, kind of make the character an, ult- uh, like an auto-pick type of deal. Um, yeah. Uh, especially if you could just, like, save it for the end and drop it on, like, the last circle and be like, ha-ha, I win. <laughs> uh, uh, but, you know. But, uh, yeah, Titanfall is super good, and, uh, I love playing it, and, uh... It was. I'm glad that I'm glad that they put it out on Steam, so that everybody went back and played it a bunch. So, I definitely had a great time uh, during my week with that. Um, otherwise, I played some Gungeon because I like constantly playing Gungeon because it's a great game um, and like very playable. Like that's like my my podcast game at this point is is Enter the Gungeon. Um,
1: yeah, my podcast game is kind of Warhammer right now. Total War Warhammer 2. I beat a Lizardman campaign. Um, where I played Itza, which is probably the easiest campaign I think I've ever done. Um, one of the hard. One of the. the, the, the I, I, uh, a quick way to get an easy campaign is you have high value, high quality infantry, um, and you have high quality economy, right? So dwarves are a good example of this, where they just have like good infantry, lots of armor, can win a lot of early game battles just because they have armor, which is like. You know, not a lot of not a lot of groups or not a lot of armies will be carrying armor-piercing weapons right out the right out the gate kind of thing. Um, and then they get a good uh, economy going. Um, with dwarves, it's because all of their buildings go all the way up to level six, or I'm sorry, to level uh, to level four. So you end up getting more out of sort of your baseline buildings than the other races typically do. Where like, if you want to build, you know gold buildings you only get three levels of them a dwarf would get four four levels of them um i then also started a dwarf campaign which is how i know all of this but the lizardmen get the geomantic web where they really increase their commandments by a lot um and i just kind of ended up getting in this place where i was running around with my fucking t-rexes just like kicking the shit out of skaven uh it was actually a really enjoyable campaign like reflecting back on it because i was pretty legitimately threatened at all points but i never felt like overwhelmed um or like i was in an unwinnable scenario i've gotten into unwinnable scenarios with um you know like i talked about that with the Greenskins, which really sucked obviously um but so getting out of that and and picking up you know a new a new version of it was uh, was nice i also did a i also completed a campaign with the um high elves uh of Ivres, of Everef, of Everef, which is the new campaign which is actually kind of neat because the guy has a mechanic where like in battle you can capture specifically capture the enemy legendary lord or like the enemy lord and put them in prison and use the prison for various things and various like upgrades my thing with that campaign though is that i pretty quickly like maxed out the tree and i just felt pretty godly um and then the final battle that i had to fight i found was very easy um, so, it was a little bit of a letdown, honestly. I was kind of expecting more from, you know, Grom's Wah, which was supposed to trigger. It triggers after 150 turns, and so I, like, built up all these defenses all throughout Ultron, because I thought it was going to, like, trigger just, like, a huge horde of, like, stacks of greenskins, and I was going to have to fight them off or whatever, but that ended up not being the the case. It was just, like, a battle that I, like, zipped to, and then I had to defend a place. I don't know. Um... So, but, yeah, I am just, like, it is mostly Total War Warhammer 2 that ends up being that game for me, where I'm, like, watching something on the other screen.
0: Well, you know, it's uh, different strokes for different folks. Uh, the, yeah. No, the uh, funny
1: thing is, uh, so have you ever watched F, F is for Family?
0: No, I have not.
1: It is the Bill Burr animated show on Netflix, um, which is, like, set in the 70s, and it's, like, animated, and it's Bill Burr is, like, the angry dad who's... who's Who's angry? Um, I watched like the first season a long time ago and I was like, this is garbage. Um, uh, and I went back to it and you know, it's not great, but it was a worthwhile four seasons, I guess, of sort of animated, um, you know, animated show, normal goodness.
0: Speaking of Bill Burr being a father, I watched the uh, the King of Staten Island, uh, where Bill Burr plays an angry father. Um, but it's primarily Pete Davidson playing like a kind of like burnout uh, person. On st- I think it's supposed to be like vaguely autobiographical. Um, uh, the character's father has died in the like like in the past of uh, he was a fireman. And he died in the middle. Of, in, he died in a fire, um, uh, and he's just kind of misanthropic and like doesn't like like just it doesn't do life. It was all right. Um, and it it got released to Amazon like you know it's like a COVID release Um, I thought it was pretty good I think it dragged a lot in the third act I think the beginning of the movie was pretty great though because it was like super dark um, and super entertaining. I think Pete Davidson did a good job I just think it kind of like got too sappy towards the end Um, it was also very Staten Island right like um, and like very kind of like you know where we grew up New York New Jersey right like um, I felt like I feel like you'd have the similar experience like you watch and be like this, like I can feel home and I can like smell this apartment type of thing. Um, uh, that like, I, like at least resonated with me, even though like it wasn't like super direct to me, but like, you know, I like, it, it just felt like it, it felt like home in a lot of ways. Um, so, you know, uh, that's
1: interesting. I actually feel like very, very few things have captured that kind of, like, suburban New Jersey. I guess Zach Braff's movie did it. Garden State did it pretty
0: I've never seen Garden um, State.
1: It's not great. Okay. It's fine. Uh, but it definitely captures sort of, like, the weird, you know, I don't know. There's just something, like, New Jersey about it. It's, it's really, like, tough yeah. to explain. I'm trying to think. There must be some other stuff that's, like, particularly New Jersey. Even, like, The Sopranos, which is, like, based in, like, Newark, doesn't feel particularly, like, New Jersey to me. Though they use landmarks all the time that I'm, like, intimately familiar with. I'm like, oh, sh- shit, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah,
0: no, like, my, my parents love – I have never watched Sopranos. It's on my list. But my parents love The Sopranos because it's, like, where they grew up. Um,
1: yeah, it's a little more North North Jersey than yeah. where than where I'm from. But I know Newark very well, and they're yeah. obviously very based in Newark. So that's the part where I'm like, oh, I get this. Yeah, yeah. My,
0: my dad uh, partially grew up in Newark, so he he had that too. Um, that whole area, really, it's, like, the oranges and uh, – and all that,
1: yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because South Orange is right next to is yeah. right next to Maplewood.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. That makes sense. Um, have you ever had a Jimmy Buff's hot dog? This is like weird in very New Jersey, but
1: yeah, they're famous.
0: Yeah. I no. I, yeah, yeah. Well, they, like, they, they are. Yeah. I
1: think I've only I've only ever been once, and I was only ever I only ever did it because they were famous. But
0: they're fairly like they used to have a bunch of locations, and they kind of like contracted back to I think they're just two now. Like, and there used to be one, like, right, like, they built, like, where there was one in Randolph for, like, five years. Then it went away when they contracted, but, like, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I love those things. Like, it, so for people at home that don't know, it's an Italian hot dog or an Italian sausage. It's, like, it's called pizza bread. It's almost like it's, like, a fluffy pita bread. And, like, it's, like, you you look at the, the griddle. And it's, like, a griddle with, like, a pile of oil. And there's, like, hot dogs and, like, fried potatoes and onions and peppers. And they stuff it all in and they, like flather it with ketchup and mustard and like it will give you a heart attack but it tastes like so delicious. It was, it was- No,
1: I I think I mean I have a deep and abiding love of onions and peppers. We've talked about that. We talked about this on our uh, on our pizza cast, our our uh, our amazing foray into culinary art. Um and uh and I think a lot of that actually comes from growing up in that part of New Jersey, because oh, yeah. that onions and peppers yep. combo yeah. Yeah. is, like, on everything, it feels like. And it's, like, a very, like, it's, like, a staple. I mean, it's not just, I guess, New Jersey. It also goes down into Philly, because cheese steaks are also onions and peppers, right? Yeah, but yeah. there's something about that, like, that base that is different than, you know, like, so, for instance, out here in Los Angeles, right, like, I just feel like the default is different. Um, where, you know... It's kale, it,
0: if you're Californian. No, I but I, I, I agree with I think it, I think it's, like, a kind of italianish thing at least that's like my impression yeah. of it um
1: no i think that's very true like my dad talks about this my like my dad worked in restaurants for a long time when he was like in college or whatever and he worked in like french and italian restaurants and he talks about how like the core of a french dish a lot of the time is like carrots celery and onions and i bet that if i were to ask him what is the core of like an italian dish he would be like peppers and onions and something else you know like maybe yeah so know. so
0: that's weird cuz like that's Tomatoes. the um that's uh, classic mirepoix right like um, mm-hmm. But the the Cajun uh, Holy Trinity is you swap out the carrots for bell pepper because that's like what grew down there. Um, but that's different; like that that that's not the same flavor profile as uh, like the peppers yeah. and onions. And I, well, I do
1: fucking love Cajun food. I, I'll tell you what. Yeah, no, Cajun,
0: I, I mean, I uh, you know, right before the COVID, I went down for Mardi Gras, like m- partially just to like eat a bunch of fantastic Cajun food, and it was oh man, ah. Uh, I kind of want to go back just to eat food. It's uh, Let, let's go to let's go to New
1: Orleans. <laughs> Some derps talk about New Orleans. <laughs> oh
0: man, uh, no, it's 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 it's. Uh, I highly recommend New Orleans for food tourism. I like find myself like this is like totally off topic, but I find myself like looking at trips like mm-hmm, I actually go to Nashville to like eat fried chicken. Uh, <laughs> like I like I am like, so motivated by food tourism. Um, I drove like last year around this time. I drove to Montreal mostly to get a smoked meat sandwich, which is just kind of like a like a deli sandwich, um, which is not super far from me at this point. But like you know, uh, man, uh, I'm I'm very hungry right now, so <laughs> this is probably motivating some of this. Uh, but uh, we're kind of out of time, unless you want to talk more about food, buddy.
1: No, I do not want to talk anymore about food. All
0: right. Well, uh, if you'd like to, to, to tell us what you think about food or any of the other things we talk about on this podcast, you reach us at com or podcast at Uh Follow us on all the different socials. Uh, donate to us on Patreon. If you feel like it, review us on iTunes, I guess, or wherever you want to. Um, uh, that's everything I had. Buddy, you have anything you want to promote?
1: I do have one thing that I'm looking to promote this week. I will be playing another episode of Buddy Gets Good. Uh, We'll be playing 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I will be playing Spinch. Uh, Because we announced Spinch last week. Uh, You can wishlist on Steam. It'll also be coming to the Nintendo Switch. So if, you know, you saw anything during the Steam Games Festival that piqued your interest, please feel free. Uh, We'll also be putting up the VOD of the first episode of Buddy Gets Good, which is at the editors right now. Um, And I'm told that they are... That it's going to be funny. I don't know. Uh, he's posted a couple of updates. that' like, oh my god, this shit's going to be hilarious. Which I feel like is going to mean that I'm going to get a lot of made fun. I'm going to be made fun of a lot. But I've always been willing to sacrifice my ego for a good laugh. So that's I'm, – I'm very happy. I'm looking with, forward uh, to it. that setup.
0: <laughs> Oof. I, don't, I just kind of want to come up with a Nintendo spinch pun. But I don't know if it would work. But anyway, <laughs> that's all we have time for. Until next time, dear listeners.
1: Until next time, loyal listeners.